This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Aloha, y'all. This is Daniel Eisenman, the host of the Breaking Normal podcast, where my guests are all invited based on the frequency of synchronicity and all trailblazers and the breaking of all things normal. Aloha, y'all. Y'all ready for this next episode? Ayla Niero. I trust I said that correctly. She's awesome. She's amazing. The interview is so good, so solid. Let the children lead. If you want to like get an official bio from her, Google her name. There's plenty out there. There's some good articles on her. She's amazing. Um, as a shout out to the sponsor of this podcast, Tribe Vitamins. Come on. I uh, got the news a doctor bought 100 bottles of bison liver and 100 bottles of elk liver today. Why would a doctor do that? Interesting, huh? <laughs> Check out the reviews. They're awesome. I was tempted to read one, but I just want to jump right into the interview with Ayla. It's so good. It's so soft. It's so cool. A lot like her music. Enjoy, y'all. Keep breaking normal. Well, welcome to the show, Ayla Thank Nero. Thank you. What an oh, honor. Um, it's, can I? Oh, yeah. Let's start. Restart. It's, Tell me. It's Ayla Nero. <laughs> oh, I really uh, mispronounced <laughs> no, that. Ayla Nero. Is yeah. that right? Nario, but Nario, Ayla Nario, Ayla Nario. I'm practicing saying the name of the uh, the new guest that is here now with us, Ayla Nario. Is that correct? Did I yeah. say that? Right? Where did that name come from? Is that your birth name? I do have it a is. little synchronicity to share about that. Yeah, so tell oh, us cool. about that. Yeah, my parents chose it. Um, well, the Nario part is my dad's family's name from Italy, and um, and Ayla was the name that they found. Um, in a, I think they found it in a Hebrew baby name book, but it's also Turkish. Um, it has a, a bunch of different translations. Um, yeah. Well, on the uh, schedule of synchronicity, and that is the podcast schedule here. Um, <laughs> yesterday, I was thinking about messaging. I had such a busy week, and I know we've been playing pod ta podcast tag for a while, but I'm really happy to drop in with you now, and this feels best. I was uh, about to message you yesterday just to see if you maybe wanted to reschedule. Oh. <laughs> and then right when I was about to message you, I look up and I see a car in front of me and it says ALA. Those are the first three letters. <laughs> and I was like, interesting. And that wasn't, I mean, I was kind of reaching there. But this morning, I was about to message you again just to see how you're feeling and everything. And then before I do, I see a message from a, a lady that's messaging me about her daughter named Ayla, spelled the same way as yours. <laughs> And I was like, That's okay, funny. we're going to do this today. This is So I'm, I'm happy yeah. to be here with you. Oh, I'm happy too. Yeah, and we sh shifted the hour. That was better for me. So Perfect. Uh, where are you currently? Um, I live in the mountains of kind of northeastern California, um, the foothills of the Sierra Mountain Ridge. Um, yeah, it's, it's hot. <laughs> yeah, how is <laughs> the... Smoke right now. It's been pretty hazy, even in Colorado, from those yeah. fires. I think up there. I mean, there's a few different theories between like fracking, the all the people that are moving here, and right. uh, all the fires. Like this could be a, a new normal of sorts. How's it over there? We're definitely, um, yeah, sitting with that potential reality. Um, it's not too smoky today. Luckily, we're we have interesting weather here, where sometimes. Normally, we do get actually a lot of pollution from the Central Valley up in these hills. Um, but as far as smoke goes, we sometimes get lucky. Um, there's a huge fire north of us, the Dixie Fire. And so um, we've had some smoky days, but so far have been 
lucky to have a lot of blue sky, but it's, it's intense. I'm actually going to, after this podcast, I'm going to go like water some of the grown cedar trees on our land because they're just not getting the water they need. And um, yeah, it's an, it's an intense moment for sure. Well, it sounds like you are pretty good at um, maybe keeping secluded potentially compared to the, <laughs> the normal average folk. And um, I am kind of curious, you know, I think it's on a lot of people's minds and hearts these days because all the, the news is just keeps telling everyone contradicting things every other week or whatever it is these days. Yeah. I'm just curious at how important that solitude is to you and what are you doing to navigate the waters of the current chaos of culture these days? Because um, I know this is our first time meeting, but I've listened to your music for years and uh, mm. I think you're an amazing artist, uh, really a genius. Uh, your voice is amazing and it's obviously you're tapped into something where I think you're living inside out rather than outside in. Mm. And yeah. yeah, I was just <laughs> curious about your perspectives with what's going on, how that might be affecting your music and such. Uh, that's beautiful. Thank you for that question. Um, I love what you just said, the inside out rather than outside in. I think that kind of sum- summarizes it actually. Is I noticed that I'm, um, like everyone, very we're very influenced by each other. And when I tune so much externally, especially to media, whether that's, news or social media or people um you know it's important to stay informed of like what's going on particularly with our planet right now and climate um but um if i tune so much into that like every day then i'm in a way living outward in and it really it really destabilizes my center and i stop being able to hear the inner guidance system um because there's so much in my mind because the mind gets ag- aggravated and you know as we can see very clearly mainstream media and and all all media really i mean not all but a lot of media um it's 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 made to get people to watch it more and by to get people to watch it more it kind of hooks us with things like fear or strong emotions and so then we get kind of emotionally um worked up um and so I find that when I'm in that state, it's like a tense, uh, heightened emotional or fear or stress state. And I just can't tune into the more subtle messaging that's coming through. That's just naturally comes through all of our systems, our, our minds and our, especially our intuition and our hearts. And so my inside out living, you know, the seclusion, which is not so secluded. I live with people. Um, but I am kind of a hermit and I'm just, be- I'm a better human when I am living slower and listening to the pace of nature and listening to the subtle messages that come through um, the elements and nature and my own internal guidance system of my intuition. And so that's kind of what I go off of. It's like, am I, am I showing up as a good human? Um, and leading with my heart in my day-to-day interactions. And I just noticed that all of that gets destabilized when I spend too much time on screens, essentially. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I imagine your answer would be something like that, just once again, based on your ability to create, like you've been continuously creating, uh, it seems, throughout this 
these last few years. And I know that your new song Breathe came out, which is awesome. And I'll, I'll um, when in the intro, I'll talk probably more about your some of your music accolades. But I uh, was reading a little bit of an article about you on the Huffington Post. Mm-hmm. And that may have been where I was a little biased uh, towards thinking that you might spend a good bit of time secluded in nature and that you were homeschooled. Were you homeschooled in Northern California? I was. I was lucky. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't, high it doesn't, school. Oh, all throughout <laughs> high school. Wow. Yeah. So you, uh, not, not through high school. I, I chose, I decided, I got curious and I chose to go to high school, public high school, which was a whole shift and experience and it worked me. Um, it wasn't all positive. It wasn't, it wasn't very positive, but it grew me in ways that I have no regrets about. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I homeschooled up until then. <laughs> and was that your um, your parents' kind of perspective for you that you could decide to go to public school when you wanted to, or were they against that? Or oh no, they curious totally, about that. Yeah, they kept they kept it wide open. They actually only intended to homeschool me for first grade because they didn't like. I went to a Waldorf kindergarten, and they didn't particularly like the first grade teacher, so they just decided, well, it's first grade. We'll just homeschool you for first grade, and. And then at the end, um, I have a vague memory of them asking me. I actually kind of remember the moment of them being like, do you want to go to school? And I was like, no, can I keep doing this? And, um, and so then they just decided to homeschool my brother and I. And um, we were just so happy. We were just so happy to have our education be something that some people call the style of homeschooling that we did unschooling because it's not through any system. We weren't even enrolled in any kind of school system. And and we, you know, our learning was, of course, we had like curriculums that we were keeping up with to make sure we were on top of our age group learning. But, um, but we just, we devoured books and our learning was very driven by our interests. And so, um, so yeah, we, we had no desire to go to school until eighth grade. I basically got really curious when I started hitting puberty and just, you know, wanting to be with my peers and Luckily, my mom advised me to start in high school and not eighth grade. So I got to avoid middle school. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember eighth grade and ninth, eighth and ninth grade being pretty, some of the rougher school years rough. for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and well, I'm, you know, I have a daughter that's uh, four now. I'm not sure mm. if you've seen her, the own baby. There's a video of me oming her to sleep, like from screaming to sleeping in 40 seconds, and it's gone ultra viral. But that's, oh, I can't uh, wait to watch that. Yeah, it's a fun <laughs> one. It's a fun one. She's a special one. And, uh, we definitely, she hasn't been really indoctrinated into any normal systems. Like I don't even think she has a clue of what's going on, why like so many kids are wearing masks and such and such. Yeah. We don't have a TV at our house. Um, but I am, you know, like last year we let her go to an all outdoor kindergarten school. So they're out beside all day from like oh, eight to three so- thirty PM in Boulder, which can, can be intense. Yeah. Um, but she loves it. She loves it. And there's really not much of a curriculum. And this is something I'm very fascinated by. I hosted retreats for uh, 10 to 11 years. And a lot of what we were doing at those retreats were basically helping people unlearn things they did at school. They were kind of like get undomesticated and go back to that, like uh, living inside out or being addicted to authenticity rather than approval. Because it does seem like a lot of the normal public school systems that I'm, especially these days, it looks sort of like a, a domestication or like a farm of sorts. Totally. Well, it's modeled off of the industrial revolution, which is like one size fits all and separate by age and all the psychology research, which is what I then went into studying when I did my undergrad work, um, the psychology of education. So all of that, all of those studies show like inter, like different age groups working together is most effective and children picking their own 
um, like having some uh, some ability to choose in schooling, like in whatever they learn is most effective. And none of those things are applied because it's a very old, outdated system. So I think right on. That's awesome. How lucky is your daughter to, to have a dad like you? <laughs> well, and I'm uh, starting, you know, now we get to make a decision for the upcoming school. And that's, that's just for, uh, I think, up to like five or six years old. Yeah. So it's a, it's a big topic. And it's not only is it a big topic for me, but I can't tell you how many parents are just having negative interest of getting them ki- their kids into the public school systems these days. Yeah. And I think it's a lot. It's a lot for people to wrap their minds around. And I just think it's, uh, I, I wasn't necessarily planning on talking about education with you, but um, if you have any more perspectives to share for someone like me, and I know a lot of people that are in my situation, maybe they're hesitant, like their kids will yeah. miss out on something if they don't go to public school. Um, yeah, I, I'm imagining your parents and your you and your brother. Do you have one sibling? I, I have one. I have actually two older half siblings, but my brother and I are really close and we just kind of went through the whole thing together. Yeah. I guess if yeah. you want to expound upon that and sure. um, I, I'd love to hear it. Cause I have a feeling there's a lot of my friends that are actually parents. They're kind of probably paying extra close attention to this part. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I love talking about this and it's actually a side project I have is pulling together a website to offer more resources. Cause I'm starting to realize like, wow, I, I really had a unique experience being able to do all of this and then study it. Um, and so, you know, one of the biggest things that, that I come to is for, for parents. Cause I think a lot of parents are worried like, Oh, is my kid going to learn the right things? And that's such it's, it's actually, it's an ingrained thought from the school system because the school system's basically modeled on the idea that at this age, you need to learn this, at this age, you need to learn this, you know? And so two things about that. One is um, that, you know, it's, it's good to think about like, what do you remember from second grade? What do you remember from fourth grade? Like what things actually went into your system? Was it content or was it an experience? Was it like details about history in fifth grade or was it that time that the teacher like let everyone turn the desks upside down and you reenacted something and you don't even remember what you reenacted, but it was like this really invigorating experience. Um, I, I think that's, that's, this is just where I come from, but our learning was so directed by what our passion was. And this is a whole philosophy around education is to let the children lead and to trust that they will learn what they need to learn for their lives. So it's really trusting, you know, the unfoldment of our soul's journey in a way. And the parents don't have to be teachers. They don't have to know everything. They get to be guides and to help guide the children to find their own, to be their own teachers, essentially. And, uh, and when the passion is guiding and when the child is really encouraged, like, oh, you are curious about what's going on in the garden. Let's like, let's get in there. Here, how about you have this area? This is just your zone. Like, let's go out every day. Let's like do science experiments and learn about seeds and let's count. Let's do some math counting, like how many seeds, if you take away seeds, like there's so many ways to incorporate all of the areas of learning into a topic. Um, It's called, it's it's a theory of thematic learning. So if your child's obsessed with horses, you incorporate reading, writing, math, like all of it gets incorporated into the study of horses. So then you're really 
um, letting them just flow with their passion, with what they want to learn about. Um, but also at younger ages, it's just not so important for them to like know all these facts. It gets, it gets more important as you get older, but I know this is where I get kind of radical. I feel like, you know, when you're in high school, <laughs> high schoolers are really tuned into peers and really tuned into interpersonal relations. And what a great time to teach kids how to relate as humans to each other. What a great time to teach kids how to have skills to learn how to be an adult. This is more of a traditional model, like in villages, um, where it's like actually learn how to be a good human, like how to actually be in the world. And we're kind of mentally focused in this culture. Um, so we're really concerned with kids being like kind of specializing or like getting really good at, um, like it's important to read and write for sure and to be able to do basic math. But, um, but beyond that, it's, it's good to just ask ourselves like okay what what kind of a like how do I want to help this little being be a genius be their own genius everyone's a genius everyone has genius in them and how do I want to facilitate this child this little human to find that in themselves and it might it might be kind of like my parents did kind of breaking from all the norms of of what we've been told quote unquote education is and and actually um there's a there's a quote that I love that's um oh gosh I'm, I'm blanking on who said it Yeats maybe I can't remember who said it but um it's education is not the filling of a pail but the lighting of a fire and so it's like that idea of like we're not trying to dump information into our kids we're just trying to get them to ignite their passion and explore and learn and be curious and wonder about the world and learn how to find answers for themselves. That's my philosophy. <laughs> well, it's a beautiful one. I definitely yeah. wrote down, let the children lead. Yeah. That, that's how I see my daughter. Um, yeah. I see her as basically helping me, like inspiring me to guide her to, to her genius. Mm-hmm. Um, like rather than what you're saying, uh, the, the, rather than the normal culture around that. So I think, I think it's super beautiful. Almost got a little teary eyed. I think that's yeah. pretty easy when I'm talking about Davina. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it, you know, it takes pressure. I think a lot of parents are like, Oh, I'm not a teacher. How could I homeschool my child? And it's like, no, that you don't need to be a teacher. You get to just let the child be the teacher and really help them. Like, Oh, I don't know the answer to that. How are we going to figure out the answer? You know? And then they're like, Oh, okay. And they learn how to research. They learn how to go to the library and look up answers. And yeah. And then your part, you basically get to be along for the, for this amazing ride of like, Whoa. Like, I think it, it inherently inspires wonder in the parent too. And then um, for this journey that you were blessed enough to go on and kind of let curiosity lead your way rather than uh, curriculum. Mm -hmm. Um, where did the uh, when did you know that you wanted to sing? Did that happen early, or where where did that blossom? You know, it's funny. I actually, when I track back, I actually kind of forgot until not too long ago. But I I made music growing up. I would write songs on the piano. I loved music. I would dance. I would, you know, I, I had all these visions. I loved movie making. It was like all these things that I do now. Like it was I was doing them all as a child. Um, but I had this weird fear of singing, I think because a friend of mine was tone deaf and I was 
I got this irrational fear that maybe I was tone deaf and no one was telling me. It was very strange, but I, I think it was probably also some kind of, and there's a lot of um, ancestral and like um, cultural, social imprints that are in our kind of our DNA and cellular memory of, of like the shutdown of the voice and the shutdown of confidence. And so I think I was just in my own place with all of that. Um, so it kept me from singing for, for a long time until college actually. And then I started learning guitar and I just wanted, I basically started writing songs, um, not trying to, they just, I was listening to a lot of Dylan and I just really wanted to write words and, and I had to sing them. Like it was basically words were coming through and I had to sing them. So I was a closet singer for a little while, but then the people I was living with basically pulled me out of my shell and kept asking me to sing songs. <laughs> and so I just, saying more and more and it was terrifying for years and I hated performing and at a certain point I decided that I I didn't hate it but it was so stressful I was so nervous and at a certain point I decided I probably am just a recording artist but like it was that uncomfortable to perform and and then I just kept doing it and it I just the layers just come off and they come off the more we do something and so um so yeah little of <laughs> singing journey yeah but, i mean yeah i didn't I find, know i i if, if you told me in high school that i was going to become a professional musician i would have been like don't tease me that that's ridiculous <laughs> well from that to um i guess it was june a couple of years ago when i was like sprinting through the red rocks <laughs> running late <laughs> i think i got to catch the last like the last part of your last song before uh, trevor hall and Naka bear mm -hmm. came on so i mean what a what an evolution i, I find that so yeah. fascinating that you knew you were interested as a kid you were doing it as a kid and then you became scared of it yeah and i i could i imagine a lot of people could follow that pattern mm -hmm. like yeah. what did you do as a child that you became scared of as an adult i think we just watch everything around us and you know, I, I think there's, there's, um, especially in the women in my life, um, like my, my models growing up, my, you know, either parents or, or sibling, uh, older siblings, like there's, I've noticed, um, a, and, and just, just other people in general, like there's such a strong tendency to, um, to not, to not actually embrace where who we are fully and to kind of apologize or shut down or um you know or literally say things like oh don't listen to me my voice is no good you know things like that and as a child you hear that stuff and it makes you wonder like well does that mean some voices are good and some aren't you know and like that that thought forms and um and so i think it's probably an accumulation of that plus really old um, trauma that we haven't healed yet collectively around the shutdown of people and women, especially for being powerful, like the whole, you know, the massacres of, of women that happened in the middle ages and, and just the, there's, there's a, there's a lot of history that we haven't fully, um, that we're in a healing process with. And, and so we sort of, all of that lives inside us. And so it's, I guess, part of our journey to, to remember ourselves and to learn how to just breathe through it and lean through it and keep singing. 
<laughs> even though it scares us. Yeah. Yep. Once again, that it's like very personal for me. And that's one thing that, uh, because Davina, my daughter, I'm like, she loves mm-hmm. to sing and loves to dance. And mm-hmm. I trust I have only supported it no matter mm-hmm. how ridiculous it sounds. Um, and, and, she, and I actually think she's a beautiful dancer and singer and performer. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if one day, one day y'all share a stage, who knows? Aww. <laughs> Um, but I, I am also curious, did it, was there like a breakthrough moment? It's, and I asked that based on another synchronicity that just popped up. JP Sears just texted me. He was the very first Breaking Normal podcast guest. I oh, haven't awesome. listened to what he said, but I was there for his, what I would say was his breakthrough performance. Um, I remember we were in Kauai at mm. an event and he was going to do his very first comedy show. And I was like uh, publicly, publicly, and I was sort of in charge of the event. And he was very concerned if he was going to offend people. And I just made sure that he, he, please offend us, offend all of us if you can. And he did. I was quite offended on some of the, (laughs) some of the uh, jokes, but I knew I saw, I saw something. I was like, okay, genius unleashed. And sure enough, here we are. I don't know if you know JP, but he is like. I laugh a lot at what he creates. (laughs) I think, yeah, he's got a, he's got a bravery there of just like saying, saying what he believes. And I appreciate that in anyone. I mean, as long as it's not harming people, it's, and especially the way he makes people, I like laugh at themselves. Like it's good to laugh at ourselves. It's good to laugh at the hilarity and the ridiculousness of how seriously we take ourselves sometimes. (laughs) <laughs> yep i agree it's almost like a seriousness almost starts to sound seem sinful in some ways <laughs> but he uh i am curious did you have a moment like that like where you overcame that fear like you're just like uh f it i'm just gonna sing in front of this crowd or i'm gonna was there a, were you at a retreat or did it just like slowly um and then still kind of unfurling in a way yeah i mean yes it's still unfurling always but i would say there were two moments come to mind. And one is a longer moment that I actually did a training in EFT, which is it's emotional freedom technique. It's tapping. And it's um, a system that uses the um, like basically the meridian system of what is acupuncture is based on. Um, But it's acupressure and it's you're tapping on the, on the, on the meridian system point in the body, certain points. And at the same time, you are going through either memories or current feelings and thoughts. And you are, um, it's so simple, but basically you are accepting yourself. <laughs> it's so simple and so profound. And you just accept. And the acceptance makes space that just kind of dissipates things. And I did some pretty, I did a two-month study of that um, uh, training, and it I, I encountered some pretty deep fears of being killed for having a voice. I don't know if it's past life. I don't know if it's ancestral. I don't know what it is, but it was a really, really deep fear of being heard and being killed for speaking my truth, um, which is, you know, you see that in history, you see it even present day, you know, and, and so working through that very shortly after completing that training, I found myself sharing music, but feeling differently about it. And then about six months later, I did my first solo tour up the Northwest coast, up to Canada and back down and somewhere up in Vancouver-ish, somewhere in Washington or Vancouver, I um, 
I remember having a walk in the woods and having this moment that it felt like the universe was talking to me. And the universe said, in a way, you can either go back to Oakland and keep doing side jobs to pay for your expensive rent, or you can just commit because this is why you're on the planet. You're here to do this. So are you going to dilly-dally or are you going to commit? And it was just a choice. And there was no should. And I just decided to commit. And I applied to an artist residency and I got it. And it gave me two months to create art. And I created a GoFundMe to fund my next album. And then that happened. And every step then, you know, all the synchronicities followed from that choice. And I just said yes to them over and over and um, with that commitment. So I would say those are two pretty big pieces of the journey. That's pretty amazing to hear about the uh, both experiences, but the Vancouver one, were you like walking in the woods or were you by yourself or what was that? Well, I was touring with a friend of mine, Michael Zelligs, who's an amazing musician as well. And, um, and we were, I think we just went, we took, we were, we had a habit of taking hikes before that evening's show. And I think we were just out hiking and, but I, I was definitely having a solo moment. Um, because I must've been, because it was just so clear, all of that information coming through. I just have this image of like standing there and looking at the sky and the tree line. And yeah, it was, yeah, it was a pretty clear moment. <laughs> well, that's awesome and inspiring to hear. And then you mentioned like a bit of a cascade of synchronicities since then. What, is, what do you think synchronicity is? It's a topic that I'm Ooh. quite enthralled by. Ooh, I love that question. Synchronicity is to me a combination. Of, well, I think hmm, how to answer this. What a beautiful thought to even have. Um, feels to me like listening. It's very tied to listening and tuning into a greater field. It's like surrendering the smaller self and allowing life to move us, but not in a very haphazard way, but like it requires our intention. Um, Like my intention is to lead with my heart in life. And then we start paying attention to like what is coming up in, in life. It feels like a lot of trust that that intention has been received. And, and then there's like a ripple and then we are just tuning into what ripples back, <laughs> I guess is kind of how it feels. And, and we can like say yes to the offerings of like the ripples or not. You know, we, someone might be like, hey, come to this event. It's all about the heart, you know? And we could be like, oh, I'm too busy. Or we could be like, oh, this sounds like, could be related to my intention, you know, and and then we just, or we might not even know, we just trust and we just follow. I think that's where the intuition is key because we might get a gut feeling of like, this doesn't make any sense, but something in me is saying to, to go this way. And, and so I feel like maybe synchronicity is, is the, the way I use that word is maybe that moment of, the opportunity showing itself and and leading us somewhere and we follow it and it leads to something else like this little mycelial network that we follow and get on (laughs) 
I don't know if any of that made sense. But that's well, how I feel about it. Yeah, I, I don't think I think synchronicity is something beyond words. Um, but <laughs> I definitely appreciate your wonderings around them. That it's like topic. the word collage about synchronicity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then um on that note because it does i i like i'm like i'm like thinking about a formula it's like ayla's formula for synchronicity was <laughs> committing to breaking through her fear of doing something that she loved as a child and then synchronicities came yeah, do you like, have yeah. uh, other creative constraints where you're staying tuned in to be able to listen to those or seeing those? Like, do you wake up every morning and make sure you do breath work? I'm kind of curious. I say the breath work too, because I would love to hear about the inspiration for the song breathe. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's called breath. I breathe. And yeah, it's um, yeah. I'm happy to talk about it. Maybe I'll get to that next. Um, but the first question I want to make sure I understand it is about um personal practices or more just like staying connected to that listening system or personal objects? Yeah. I, I think about like, things. yep. So different, I have different super creative friends in my life that have been mm -hmm. on the show and some of them seem to have like specific practices. Like if I remember JP yeah. and living with him some, that guy would wake up in the morning and he would sit in front of his like journal to take notes for like an hour every morning mm -hmm. amongst other things. And then um, I think I was trying to ask Trevor Hall about it and he was more saying to me, well, I just, I don't know. I just take a drive and listen. Yeah. Um, so his seemed a lot less structured where JP seems a lot more structured. I'm wondering if you have any, um, and for myself, like every morning, probably like 600 out of the last 625 days, I make sure to do breath work. Mm, that's great. Um, Wonderful. and that seems to definitely get me tuned more into the frequency of synchronicity. Yeah. I would say that's part of the reason I became pretty addicted to it. Actually, it just seems mm -hmm. like my life is better when I make sure to breathe, yeah. um, consciously, not just unconsciously. So I, I don't know if you have anything like you take a walk in the woods every morning or you, before you get out of bed, you do this or that. Um, I'm curious. Yeah. yeah I, I'm, I like movement both as a practice like literally like moving is really good for me. Dance, yoga, all like gardening, all, all the forms, walking, hiking, swimming in the river, like all the forms of movement are really helpful, um, particularly yoga and dancing. Um, and movement's really part of me in that I, uh, I like having variety each day. So not, I don't, I wouldn't say I do the same thing every day, but I definitely most days, take some time. Um, lately it's been yoga and breath work and some meditation and that has felt, um, yeah, I can feel it rippling into my, the clarity of my self, <laughs> um, uh, very directly. And so I'm probably, I think I'm in process of getting addicted to that actually right now as a practice. Um, but you know, some mornings I, I also have a tea practice. I really love um, you know, I, I love the amazing tea pu'er and, um, I was given a beautiful handmade clay pot from Japan and, and just the practice of mindfulness with, with pouring tea and drinking tea. And I also use it as an opportunity to tune in with myself and my day. And often the pu'er has this kind of both grounding and stimulating effect. So I'll like chart out my whole day and it's just this clarity moment. And I, some mornings it's like, I only have half an hour. Some mornings I'm like, it's a two hour deep dive if I can. Um, but I don't always have that kind of time, but, um, 
but yeah, when it's available, I take it, you know, when I have it, I try to, to take that opportunity because I know that centering, whether it's yoga or breath work or meditation or mindfulness practice of any kind, it is going to absolutely ripple into every part of my day and actually make my day so much more um, productive, but also magical <laughs> in the sense that synchronicity will like I'm making space essentially, right? When we, when we meditate or when we do breath work, we're, we're making space. And then I think life gets to come more into that space. We're not so filled with the, the, the thoughts and the, the ego kind of worries and things like allows for more magic to happen. Feels like. <laughs> yeah. And I, I also hear you by the way, for Pu'er tea, um, mm -hmm. that, that's probably my favorite tea actually. Yeah. And if I'm not drinking coffee, that would probably be my next thing to go to. Yeah. I, I love Pu'er. I love Pu'er. I love Mate and Pu'er. Me too. Mate is probably right there. <laughs> second to Pu'er. And then, uh, I also, yeah, yeah, we could go down so many different herbs and such, but I'll just, oh, I'll get all of the plants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's well. good to know that you make a mindful practice out of drinking puer tea. I'd love to join you one day. That's one of my favorite the ways to hang out, actually, is yeah, oh I've been gosh. to certain tea houses and drink puer. And I was like, this is, this is where it's at. Oh, let's do that. That sounds so fun. <laughs> I remember going to, I'm thinking of one in Northern California. There was one in Santa Cruz that did a really good job. I forget, maybe you know the name of the tea house, but I had a lot of fun drinking puer there. That's for sure. I don't know it, but now I'll have to look it up. <laughs> I love tea houses and I love drinking tea with people. So fun. Yes. <laughs> and then um, Breath I Breathe. Yeah. So that song is, um, it's a song it's a song that uh, is really, it came from a place of feelings like very somatically and, and in my heart, um, a, a, tr a truth, what it, a, a certain truth for my, for my, this experience, which is that I'm made of all the same elements as the earth and there's not a difference. And I look at, I, I believe that we, are fractals of each other and fractals of the world and, and mirrors in a way. And so what we do to the earth, we literally do to ourselves. We're not separate from anything. And so that song really comes from that place of um, like both thanking the earth and, but, but really acknowledging like your body lays all around me. May I walk gently upon your limbs you know, or, and my body lays all around me. Um, may I be beauty, my life, your limb. And, and that one is really like, I am walking on myself. May I be beauty because I'm an extension of all of this. So may I put beauty into all, all that is really, and take care of it because I'm taking care of myself. And the more I take care of myself, the more I'm taking the care of the planet and I think a lot about our nervous systems too right now, like really on behalf of the planet, how can we take care of our nervous systems? Kind of goes back to that first topic of putting down media, doing media fasting is really important right now and calming, you know, drinking different herbal teas that calm our nervous system because I think then we can really be a benefit to the planet and the planet's nervous system is, I imagine, pretty 
rattled because there's a lot of, you know, pillaging and plundering still happening. And so, um, yeah, it's like it goes both directions. So that's a lot of where that song came from. And just reminding ourselves always that our breath comes from this planet and we would just not, we would just not live. We will not live if we don't take care of, of everything. Yeah. It's a beautiful uh, expression. And where is the best, pe- where do you usually suggest people check out your music in case this is the first time they're hearing of you? Mm, um, well, wherever your place of choice is, I suppose, <laughs> it's on YouTube. The music video is on YouTube now. Um, and, and then, of course, Spotify and Apple Bandcamp. And on my website, too, is all the links are there can find their choice there <laughs> and the website's just my name elanario.com awesome and we'll include all that in the show notes as well and then um i guess i can't help myself i'm going to ask you about other herbs uh you have <laughs> you mentioned how it might be a good idea to start getting in touch with different herbal teas that calm our nervous system do you have other ones you would like to talk about or any other favorites mm. um well, the ones that I love are skullcap and passionflower and milky oats. Those are very nourishing. And nettles are really good for the liver, really good for our whole system too. Um, yeah, those four would be a winning combination. Do you actually combine those four like in one tea? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes I do that or sometimes, you know, as a mate drinker, sometimes I'll add those herbs to my mate. Like I'll do a little mix. Um, and that's nice because then you're getting like the boost of mate plus the, the nervine support. <laughs> um, but well, I'm, not, I'm not an herbalist. And I think, you know, something that I've, I'm learning more about is that really every body is different and not every herb is like some, some herbs are more drying. And if you need more moisture like it's just good to know um a little bit about the herbs i think also it's really good to learn about the the herbs and the plants and where they come from just so we can thank them like you know they're not inanimate objects they're not they they are so generous they're so generous with their medicines for us but they're um, they deserve our thanks too so when we get to know them yeah, we get to be like, thanks, Skull Cap. <laughs> thanks for helping me out. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, like that. I'm a, I'm a big believer. In, if I can be like thankful for every, every ingredient of yeah. a meal and how it got to me and like the supply yeah. chain along the way, then that food will be that much better for me. Yeah. And the super ideal is to start growing the herbs in your garden because then they're really fresh and vital. And then you're just getting a whole other level of... Um, not just the, the prana or the, the medicine from them, but also relationship. Because then actually, you know, on a subtler level, if you live with skullcap, then skull, like the medicine of skullcap is working with you, even when you're not drinking it, because the plants are very vibrational that way. And so um, they work on a much subtler realm, um, but, but very powerfully. That's the... the, the um, how flower medicines work is, is on those subtler realms. And so living with some of these plants, it would be really ideal for so many of us to just start growing them and have them around us 
um, as a way of helping our systems calm and be balanced. Yeah. Well, awesome enough. I actually just started an herb garden in one of my garden beds up here. It was the fourth one. The fourth out of fourth was for herbs. Oh, that's amazing. So who, I'm, who's there? Who are some of Oh, I, I have a lemon balm, um, oh. peppermint, sage, rosemary, uh, chamomile. Um, oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Those are think, amazing plants. Yeah, fortunately, in East Boulder, there's a lot of a lot of amazing farmers and like uh, oh. seed banks and such. So it's oh. uh, I, I totally agree. I mean, it actually reminded me of this book I listened to a long time ago called Healthy at 100 from John Robbins. And he was um, studying some of the longest lived cultures in these blue zones. Oh, cool. And uh, some of those cultures thought eating greens that were not picked that day, it was like taboo and not even something they wouldn't even really consider yeah. eating. They, yeah. And so I definitely hear you too on the, the extra potency of um, having them in your own garden and, and picking them and eating them right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I think it's something that science is, I, I think there are some scientists that are starting to measure that aspect, but it hasn't really been um, like as, as widely researched as like, say, measuring nutritional value as we know it. So um, I'm excited for that to grow for people, for, for just our, our knowledge of that to be, I guess, quote unquote, validated by science. I think that's something that our rational mind still needs, um, even though like cultures, like you said, like have known it forever. <laughs> well, with all the um, science and stuff going on and sort of being a borderline, uh, I mean, a borderline like a new religion of sorts. I mean, I've talked about this with some previous guests. I am curious, and I, I pictured you drinking mate in Argentina, which pictured me, uh, helped me picture you traveling for music. Mm. What, do, do you, how's this going to work? Like I, in Northern California, for instance, one of my friends is a nurse, just told me yesterday that um, she's going to be fired if she doesn't get a vaccine by October 1st. Wow. And, yeah. and I'm just, she's in Monterey. And then, and then I've been seeing things about this as well um, in other countries and even New York City, allegedly. Yeah. I, mean, I don't even know what to believe in the news anymore, but I am wondering how this, how you imagine this personally affecting uh, your traveling for music and uh, yeah, what you it's, think about it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting how touchy a subject this is right now. <laughs> I notice I'm like, Ooh, am I about to say something? Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I will also, I understand asking that. Um, I was like thinking about giving more disclaimers because I can understand how polarizing a topic this can be. And I'm not at all trying to perpetuate like the dividing and the, oh, yeah. the distraction. However, my younger brothers, for instance, um, they, they're pretty concerned that, certain influencers are not speaking their truth about yeah. uh, what they think and that people just are only getting one side of the story because of censorship okay. and such. Yeah. Well, okay then. Thanks for that invitation. Um, yeah. I mean, um, for me, well, let's see, where do I start? Um, we're in a tricky situation <laughs> right now where um, the main sources of, um, of, of news that most people consume are very um, influenced by financial interests. And so, um, so what we for a long time have assumed is unbiased might not be, very likely is not 
unbiased. Um, and so it requires us to do research and, um, and something that has been a little concerning for me is that even research now can be biased. It depends on who's conducting it. Um, and so we kind of have to dig deeper. And I think a lot of people are really confused right now about what's, where do I actually find good information, you know? And in a way, I think it's good that we're feeling that because it's, it's important for us to uh, question what's real <laughs> and question what we think. And I think anything that gets us to, to do deeper inquiry is a good thing. Um, personally, I'm, um, I'm a pretty deep naturalist with my own body. <laughs> so I, um, I trust its signals. It kind of goes back to the first thing we said of like, as long as I'm taking care to make sure my internal guidance system is really clear, then I a hundred percent trust what my body is telling me about its own ability to, um, to heal or if it needs support or this or that. Um, so, you know, my personal path and I feel I have to acknowledge that I'm, I have, I have um, the ability and the privilege to stay home. Like if I, um, not only in this whole wider context of like, I don't need to tour right now. I'm, I'm actually kind of enjoying just writing and recording music because I haven't had time for that for many years because of touring. And so, um, so I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm aware that there's, um, there's a sickness. There's, there's sicknesses going around. There's some things going around and some people um, are more susceptible to others. And it's, it's largely due to systemic imbalances in our whole culture that, um, and, and health, like, like this greater conversation of like, that I feel is very missing, honestly, right now, which is like, how do we be healthier? How do we actually strengthen the immune system? How do we actually help people who don't have access to good food? How do we make it so that we're not such a sick country that's so dependent on pharmaceuticals that is so many people are addicted to pharmaceuticals like it's a we have a very very sick culture um and and so we kind of have a, a medical system that's like fix the symptoms you know and and I, my brain doesn't work that way I'm like what's the cause what's the root cause um and so um, I totally, I, I, I just really respect and honor whatever anyone chooses to do. And I think it's very important for everyone to really listen to their body and really trust what their body needs. Because for some people, their body might have some kind of intelligence that's saying that, you know, for instance, COVID might be very bad for their body and they might benefit from a vaccine you know and other people might get messaging that's like the vaccine might be very bad for their body and actually their body could totally ride covid and get better and and then also taking into effect like can you stay home because even with a cold it's not really cool to like go out and get people sick <laughs> ever and so like be really aware of your body you know if you if you're if you're like like i don't know it's hard too because i'm very I can feel sickness in my body before I have any symptoms at all. Like that's just, 
So it's also like we don't, maybe we're kind of disembodied a little bit as a culture, um, which makes sense because we're very mentally polarized. Um, it's so nuanced. There's so many layers that it's like, um, this is this is why I, it's very hard for me to even use platforms like social media, for instance, to say anything because it's being addressed on these very, like one angle per conversation kind of layers, like yes or no. And it's just not that simple. It's like, there's so many deeper conversations that need to happen about our systems and the imbalance of power on our planet and the people who have so much money and the corporations that are doing so much damage and the pharmaceutical industry that is just way out of hand and is not helping us be better. They're just putting drugs into our hands. And um, it's so many layers. <laughs> um, and so, um, so as, yeah, for me, like, I, I just hope that we can listen to each other better and not be so divisive. I think the thing that's hardest for me right now is watching mainstream media painting a picture of people who, for a very large variety of reasons, like so many varieties of reasons, are maybe choosing that the vaccine is not right for them, um, that they're painting blanket statement paint, painting everyone is like vicious and immoral and whatever the painting is happening that I've been hearing about. And um, it's creating a lot of division. And I really, I was just having a conversation with my landmate last night about this, that how amazing would it be if there were standards for media where like they are just not allowed to do that. Like you cannot, it's not ethically or more or rather morally responsible to create division. You know, like it, it's like you're a news agency, like you can report the news, but to create, to sow seeds of division through a very alarmist and um, fear-based uh, ver verbiage, like the words that they're using is just, it's very wrong in my opinion. Um, and it makes it really hard for people to have deeper layer conversations because everyone's so worked up about the topical layers um, and everyone's kind of getting swept along, which is why I think really the biggest act of um, uh, revolution and um, uh, maybe like deep real action that we can take right now is to turn everything off for a while, you know? And, and not permanently, but like to check in as needed, but to not let it inundate our minds all the time. I hope that so much for everyone, for the planet, um, because we're very hooked in. We're very, very hooked in. So that's a little that's, bit of my thoughts. Yeah, great perspective. And I think you <laughs> ask more questions that will help unravel some of the potential deception that's going on. So thank you. I'm going to start my video real quick if you want to start oh, yours, because yeah. I think we'll have about five more minutes here. Cool. Yeah, I totally appreciate your time thus far. And um, I, yeah, I agree about the one of my biggest pet peeves with this whole situation is that some people are convinced that because other people are breathing fresh air that they're killers. 
and I'm just like, how did that, how did that idea get spread? So I think some good resources that you could include is, um, um, uh, what, where is it? Oh, the FLCCC.com is a, a resource of doctors and they've got some really good information about like research on the efficacy of masks and the, um, the huge amount of research that's going into studying ivermectin right now as a really successful, um, and, and, you know, there's nuances to that. And I think that the media is kind of presenting it as like, oh, this just doesn't work. But like there's, they're studying it. And it's actually has, there's been huge population studies that has had really positive effects. And so that website's really awesome. And they talk about like, basically, you don't need to worry if you're outside. Like the dissipation of particles is so instant. Unless you're like really close to someone, it's like you really don't need to worry. And so... I think, again, it's this thing of like, I know that because I read a research paper. <laughs> but, but if you're just listening to what CNN is saying or whatever, you know, um, and they're just giving a news blurb that is presenting it a certain way, then you're afraid then you're going to make a judgment about someone that's walking on the road when really you don't need to have that particular stress in your body. You know, if you, you know, you can pick and choose like how you want to be cautious. You can understand what how actually viruses are transmitted, how actually, um, you know, the molecules linger in the air indoors differently than outdoors. You know, you can understand these nuances that um, they're just not being covered. And it's just frustrating to have a media that's very divisive and, and not sharing everything. It's selective and, and it's, um, it's disappointing. Yeah. yeah. And that's also probably the, one of the other biggest pet peeves I have is that like, if I put this video up and we're talking about Ivectrum or um, what's the other one that a lot of, it's like, it's like they're censoring my own mind now. <laughs> what is <laughs> I haven't heard one? of a different one. I've just seen. It's the anti-malaria medication. Oh, quinine sulfate. My dad's yeah. been a pharmacist for over 40 years. And like, for yeah. instance, he really believes that there are ways to subside these substances, even with uh, medicine that has been on the market way yeah. before all this. But I think to really unravel this, maybe to the intentions of who's behind this is to follow the money as usual. Yeah. And I mean, you can just even look at some of like the stock prices of uh, the vaccine makers and such, but that's a, I'll just leave it at that. And I am, thank you for inspiring people to do more research for themselves. Yeah. And I, I guess to conclude it's empowering. this, it's it really is. empowering to just, to just understand for ourselves. It gives us a lot of like, like settling too to understand more, um, you know, so we don't have to hold this like high level of like the cortisol is the worst thing for your health. Like that's going to totally break down your immune system. And so really, you know, an invitation, everyone to take care of your immune system. Cause we know, uh, we might not know everything about what's going on right now, but we know for sure that the immune system is what affects how your body deals with stuff and that stress breaks down the immune system and that fear creates stress. And so we just know those things. So like really, yeah, I hope, I hope everyone can. <sighs> yeah, it is. A, it's like almost blatant because I was, I meant to finish my sentence that if I put this video up on Instagram, most likely it will be linked to a CDC 
mm-hmm. website and or censored. And that is that is concerning. And I think that's why, uh, what a revolution to shut off the media for a while. I think that's a, a huge yeah. idea. Do you yeah. have anything you want to make sure that we yeah, share? Yeah, we can before just we... say for the record, we're just talking. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying everyone should do something. You know, you're not saying everyone should do something. We're just talking and that should be okay. I agree. It should yeah. be okay. And then it's amazing how like this technology can like flag certain words and I'm like, whoa, this is amazing, amazing time to be alive. And I do think it's really good time to pay attention to what's inside out rather than the other way, how we started the conversation. Yeah. Anything you want to make sure to include or say, or what you're most excited about before <laughs> I say, see you soon. Uh, um, uh, I'm excited to have tea someday. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'm excited for, I guess, just to round out that bit of the conversation, like, I feel like amidst all of this, because it's, there's the other side too, where there's, um, I notice that if I go too deep in the direction of people are trying to control us, and, uh, you know, then I get fearful. And then I'm actually in the same place as everyone who's listening to CNN all, all day, you know, like. And so it's like really being mindful of, of trusting in the greater workings that are happening right now. And I think what's happening right now is that a lot of people are questioning what's going on and how great, how great is that, you know, and it's this greater process of, of us being more aware and, um, and curious, hopefully, hopefully we can turn it into curiosity. I think that's probably the thing I'm most excited to cultivate more of and, and a hope that I have for everyone is to come back to curiosity rather than I know just because I read something, you know, but like, I'm, what's your, what's your perspective? I'm interested. And that also what uh, inspiration from the young, the letting the children lead, because most of the yeah. time, the children that I experience, <laughs> they're unbiased by culture or news. Um, they are, they are leading with curiosity rather than conviction. Totally. Uh, they want to know and they, and they are not afraid not to know. Yeah. And I think that not is afraid not to know. That's some real bravery that it's that's high awesome. times, high times for that bravery and critical thinking and critical feeling and to really maybe consider thinking for yourself at this time and to trust that regardless of what other people say. Yeah. And to let yourself not know. It's good too. Well, thank you. I'm going to, I'm going to have to jet, but uh, we'll be in touch and I'm excited to release this and uh, yeah, keep on breaking normal. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. (laughs) Bye-bye.